that is currently being harangued by our United States Postal Service, and I am loving every minute of it. He's slim. He's the host of Your Paper Keg Podcast, episode tonight, number 208. Jonesy loves beer, alluding vaguely to a job that he may or may not have that we can't talk about on the air. I'm going to need you to uh, bleep out that entire sentence. <laughs> Bylaws. Paperkeg.com. Three fathers talk about comic books. Batwoman. Elegy. Double up for them gangsters, and we read your letters to close out the show. Letters at paperkeg.com. Book club this week, Batwoman, Rucka, J.H. Williams III. I mean, what more do you need? Honestly. That first voice that you heard making vague illusions... Also, having minor Arkham Knight uh, potential spoilers in his bottom thirds here. Jonesy Loves Beer predicting on the show that the Arkham Knight is none other than Jason Todd. That's what I... His prediction. That is my thought. Probably just as solid that the Batman Beyond hush was Damian Wayne. Uh, Probably holds just as much water as that prediction. My first in a long line... Of Essie and messy predictions on this show, yeah. but I'll be pl- I'll be playing uh, Arkham Knight tomorrow night this time. Oh, Loving gosh, every minute of it. Be nice. That was that my Father's nice. Day gift from my my wonderful firstborn, uh, Jack Patrick Jones. Mm-hmm. Got me the old Arkham Knight. So how did he know that that's what you wanted? How old is your son? He's two and a half. But he, you know he's two and a half. he plays video games at a, at a second grade level. So mm-hmm. I mean we're just overjoyed by his progress. Probably can't stop talking about. It. He probably like just wants to go to bed, and you just keep telling him theories about Jason Todd being the Arkham Knight. <laughs> Poor guy. I will uh, say, out of Jonesy's theories, that one sounds like the most plausible. Has really? Jason Todd shown in the Arkham series? Because I haven't really not, played any of them. I have played all three. He has not shown his face. But here's my counter theory. I based on nothing. Hush. Okay. Is it based hush? on nothing? There Hush. is, you know, if you reserve the game through a certain retailer, there is Red Hood oh, yeah. Yeah. playable <sighs> content. Yeah, you know GD. why? Because I was, I was uh, in the mall, Willow Grove Mall, recently. I was walking into Spencer's. You know, we all love Spencer mm-hmm. gifts. Yeah, still do. Yeah, after all these years. <laughs> and they had an ad for that for some reason. I have no idea why. That wasn't a Spencer's exclusive, was it? Oh, That'd be a weird I place to, to have an exclusive. <laughs> 
So if the Red Hood is playable, then it can't possibly be Jason. But well, who knows? They might have thrown him in as a bonus character, even though he was the yeah, villain. Yeah, and it, it could have been like you know, Red Hood could have been just out of the main story. It could just be just playable levels that don't have anything mm, to do with right. the story. Yeah, that's more like a it. red herring. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hmm. See? You're, you're so uh, cool, Josie. Wow. I'm going to be playing it too. Writer. Writer. Oh, boy. We have another host. Enough of Jonesy, please. Dan underscore the silver fox, VP of merch, VP of cleaning out his pool that is probably radioactive at this point. I wouldn't inhale if I was anywhere near that pool, personally. Hashtag summer something. Check it out. (laughs) A live tweet. I just want to read this out loud because it makes me feel good. Jim Lynn for Pope live tweeting. Is Slim going for greatest hair this episode? Yes. That obviously is yes. I haven't. My hair has been compared to that of a young Krusty the Clown. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. So the summer of Swampy. Uh, that should be starting soon. We just talked about that during the pre-show. We have no idea when it's supposed to start. The only reason why it might start soon is because we haven't filled out our next book club episode beyond next episode. Right. So it might start in two weeks. Really if big one show. host would commit, we won't say who, Dale. Dale underscore A. I don't know. Maybe you know we just do the summer swampy, and then at the last episode is recorded live from uh, you know. Your house from, from a the place, barbecue from, from a place where uh, one where the swamp is really growing out of a <laughs> yes, pool. Exactly. Can we record it from the inside of your pool, like the center of it? We can have some kind of floating <laughs> apparatus that we sit in and record. That'd be pretty hilarious. Yeah, I'm gonna get. I'm actually gonna get flown in from a uh, helicopter, one of those uh, air boats, a la Police Academy Five. <laughs> Boat fresh from the Everglades and just going to plop it right in the middle of my pool. <laughs> we'll do the show right there. <laughs> no, but seriously, let's think about this. Final episode from from on a pool. Mm. Yeah? Where is there? Epic. We have a big show tonight. Greg Rucka. Feels like we have a Greg mm. Rucka book club maybe every other week. And he's back again with Batwoman, Elegy. Jonesy, what does elegy mean? Do you know what that word means? I have no idea. Did anyone Google it? Well, as you know, Greg Rucka does require some sort of recompense uh, <laughs> where we have to honor his books at least once a month on this show. That was a, that was a pre-show inside God, joke. I hope to God when that one Jonesy day tried you to mispronounce something and I will hound you to the day you GD die, Dale Andrews. For the, for the record, I think Jonesy said pre-show recompense. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's right. Recompense or something. It was some dumb S. All right. This is recompense, I think. Sorry, is uh, if you guys could just hold up your perfect cards to the cameras and then shove them all the way up your <laughs> J-holes. <laughs> God. There we go. Tapped into some primal part. <laughs> Jonesy's getting primal right now. That's going to have to be beeped. I don't know what sound effect will be used, but there's one thing I know. This is not going to make the final <laughs> cut of this show. So, so what is huge... elegy? Back to the comic book uh, part I don't know. Of this Did anyone type that into their little internet machines and find out? Matt Double H doing it right we... now. Thank you. Finally, got some semblance of control in this episode. Elegy, noun, a poem of serious reflection, typically a lament for the dead. Mm. Spoilers. 
You know, there was some other big news that came today. Uh, disclaimer, I work for Comixology. Dark Horse Comics finally on Comixology. Jonesy Loves Beer, your thoughts being one of the premier Hellboy fans out there. I, oh my God, can you imagine the library editions on your iPad of Hellboy? Can you? And the first thing I thought of, and I'm sorry, Slim, it wasn't Fear Agent, but freaking Usagi Yojimbo Mm -hmm. and beautiful guided view on my phone whenever I want it. Oh my God. I think I've been waiting my whole life to read Usagi. What about uh, all those lone wolf and cubs? Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's actually a really great... This is a great thing, you know? It's a great time to be alive. Long time coming. Fear Agent, obviously. Now I get to go back to all our episodes where I mentioned Fear Agent. I have a link officially yeah. to Comixology. My question, have you already done your reread with yes. your iPad? Yes, I have. I was preparing for that big interview that I did for another podcast with Rick. And I, I did my pre-reading ritual mm. of, of crying on the train. To, um, just and listening to the editors, right? That's the band that you listen to. <laughs> Upside down on the couch. Technically. The uh, Nationals. Just a quick plug of that. That was a great interview. Even, you know, the man can... Rick Remender can talk, and he'll he'll spin a beautiful web with nobody else saying anything else. But mm-hmm. he had a whole portion. It was like a five-minute speech about how uh, you guys were asking him about, you know, what it, what it took to uh, finish the book, you know, in, in between a year of doing it. And it was just, uh, you know, it was very optimistic about how he just had to finish it for himself. The last issue sold maybe 3,500 copies, and there was no reviews on the internet about it and it was and he was just like but now we have this thing and it's complete and it was very inspiring because he he got he could got he got really dark there saying like the the end the middle to the end of fear agent nobody was making money so they had to take breaks and may if they were lucky they were selling 3500 copies of an issue and it was just like Mm -hmm. but they came back to it they took a year off and came back and finished it at least two times yeah, I don't want to toot my own horn, but there's that section that you're talking about. You could print that out mm-hmm. and make a a wall mm-hmm. print of the statements and quotes that he made about why he did it and why they finished it. But it was because it's true. There was there was two uh, two year breaks in between issues for the last like five issues of yeah. that run. Like, can you imagine reading that monthly and be like, God, you know what's going on over there? Like I had to wait a year in between like the first issue of the last arc, and it was. I mean, his quotes are really interesting about how mm-hmm. he was like legit angry that he put all this work into the final issue and, and nobody reviewed it. Yeah, Ooh. like online. Yeah, he. I think one of his lines where he was basically kicked in the bees, mm-hmm. but he had this finish. He worked towards finishing his product, and it was amazing. His speech yeah. about just hanging in there, and he he had a, he had said something about uh, which was kind of reflective. But Heath was just Heath was just looking for a reason to not kill himself. He said that right. at the beginning of the view was just like wow, it's uh, it's so cool. It's so cool that he had this vision, and and in the creative team they just stuck it out and did it when they could. It was it's really inspiring. Mm-hmm. It's a really inspiring interview. 
Yeah, I just had this mental image of Rick Remender like running through the rain with like a paper bundle in his hands, and then he comes to an open window and slaps the paper on the window, and it's a wet printout (laughs) of Slim's article on Fear Agent, and Slim is in a cafe drinking a coffee, and then they meet. It's like a rom-com in my head that I'm writing about Slim and Rick Remendo. I mean, I feel like not even that would be recompense. (laughs) Or for the story he wove. It's not enough for Rick. But we, Mm -hmm. you know, we have to move on, Jonesy. Yeah, do we? You're you're ready. You're like a king cobra (laughs) ready to spit at me right now. We did, uh, we went to Detective Comics where uh, Batwoman, I guess, got her first real story, I guess, uh, 52, which we talked about previously, was kind of her first appearance, and then Rucka had his way and had J.H. Williams, and they did a four-issue elegy, and then there was a two- to three-issue kind of wrap-up-ish. Um, so we did do more than the first four official elegy issues, because the second part was kind of like the... More um, important origin story but Jonesy can you can you walk us through what this what this story is and who this character is sure but before I do I just want to um, state that there is a excellent backup uh, story of these issues called Pipeline about my personal favorite uh, Renee Montoya and her career as the question which I didn't even know was a thing so uh, this podcast will just be about uh, Batwoman Elegy, but I urge you, if you're going to read this volume, please stick around for the the eight-page follow-ups mm-hmm. of um, Pipeline with Renee. Those were amazing uh, backups to this content, so I recommend it to everybody. That, Jonesy, uh, that, ha- that whole saga takes place during 52, where she right, takes so the th- reins as the question. Spoilers. So, so Jonesy, weren't you there when we read Fifty Two? Yeah, but she wasn't yet yeah. the question. She wasn't the question. Oh, maybe it, maybe it kicked in in like Volume Two or something. So, and also to explain to me how his powers work or her powers work, uh, Batwoman. It looked like nope. to interject. It looked like she was holding like a hot dog wrapper, <laughs> and the mist came out of the hot dog wrapper. And yeah, became well, the question. I just what is the mist? Okay, we're gonna get off track here very quickly. <laughs> Let's talk about Batwoman Elegy. So I think it's safe to say that Greg Rucka has done it again. Uh, in a, uh, a time frame where there was a battle for the cow, and then is the time in DC Comics where Batman has died via X-ray eyes from Darkseid, um, and Batman's dead, and, and a bunch of characters are going to become the new Batman. So this incarnation of Batwoman is a young lady named Kate Kane, Catherine Kane. And she is a military school kid, you know, uh, army brat. I don't know if that's the right terminology. I don't know if the dad was in the army. I think he was. And she is the current Batwoman in Gotham City. And she has been marked by this cult uh, to it's a little unclear to either be a sacrifice or, or an unwitting assailant or um, unwittingly helping this cult in some fashion. And it is led by a mysterious third party. 
And the first part of Elegy is Batwoman basically using her detective skills to track down who could this new player in town be. Uh, and she is also aided by the strange werewolfian allies. So Batwoman uh, discovers that the main threat to her and the new leader of this cult is a person called Alice, like Alice in Wonderland. And she actually, well, Greg Rucka, really, but uh, Kate Kane go ahead and say, uh, goes ahead and says, you know, there's already one Alice in Wonderland themed person around here referring to the Mad Hatter and kind of get a new thing. And it's kind of a great issue there. Uh, and before I drag this out into a 40 minute uh, roundup of six issues, I'll just bounce into uh, Kate finds out the secret identity of this Alice person, which is shocking. And it forces her to relive the reasons that she left the military, uh, why she or she lets her sexuality define her and how that helps her be a better Batwoman. And really in the end, uh, what family should and does mean to the Canes and how that support system makes her one of the best crime fighters uh, with both integrity and skill in Gotham City. Kind of felt like I was falling apart there at the end, so I wrapped it up pretty quick. Now, listen here. Listen. Jones, you... I'm listening. <clears throat> you got it all right. Um, the Yeah, the first four issues are very... Uh, Kind of like Monster and Monster of the Week. There's, uh, you know, this Alice character is very speaks in ways that I don't like, you know. But mm. even worse than that, it, she almost didn't make sense at all. But, but the bomb she drops on the last page of the last four issue series is, you have our mother's eyes. And I was not expecting that. I was not prepared. I was like, what in the heck just happened? And what you have after that and the next three issues are like some of the best issues I've ever read in a comic. It was just really amazing how Greg Rucka crammed so much that defined Kate Kane in those three issues following Elegy proper. Yeah, it was really odd, I think. Mm -hmm. I The first few, four issues are very, you're right, Monster of the Week, uh, Kate Kane, who is Batwoman, who, like, so I only knew Kate Kane through, I think, the 52 scenes that Renee Montoya interacted with her like they they had a like they were former lovers and they had this bad breakup and Kate Kane was like this rich stuck up snob daughter of this rich Kane family and when this book starts out I'm like what is going on why is she kind of like moody yeah. almost emo-ish yeah. a little bit she's got tattoos I was like is this the same Kate Kane how many Kate Kanes are in Gotham because it almost didn't and fit the character or the character we it, thought we yeah had. it doesn't and then you don't even find out why until Five months later, four, five, five issues later, where you finally get the backstory of this character. So the first four issues are almost you're just you just jump face first into Dale's swamp thing pool, mm -hmm. and you're <laughs> living in it with no backstory whatsoever. 
Yeah, and, and scary water was, nymphs are really trying odd. to grab you from under the muck. <laughs> right. The the three monsters that kind of helped Batwoman were really strange. And to be honest, I didn't know what to think of those issues outside. They're obviously gorgeous. The art is phenomenal. Gorgeous, beautiful, any other synonym you can put for it. And then when you finally see that her her dad, who's kind of like her helper oracle, say this, like our Beth question mark to this villain, and then she reveals that she's the sister at the end. Then the next issue is like flashback stories of her with her twin sister that you didn't know about until this issue. And then the art style of J.H. Williams changes per scenario. Like the flashbacks are very... Um, who does Hawkeye? Or who did Hawkeye? What's that artist's name? Uh, anybody? I'm looking. No. Fraction and... Matt Fraction and... Oh, David Aja. David uh-huh. Aja. It was very Aha-ish. Mm-hmm. And he he switches his art style depending on what scene it was. Because when he's, she's out as Batwoman, it's like Alex Rossian to the nth degree. When she's at home in her apartment loft, it's like a pared down style. And then the flashbacks are a different style. I I was blown away about how he was able to do that. But the but exactly what you said, the long way of getting to it. The second part of the story was pure rucka in yeah. my book. Yes. Like he broke down who Kate Kane was in the flashbacks, how she left the military, and then how her, her relationship with her dad started. Because reading the book, I'm like, why on earth is her dad helping her be a crime fighter? Like you're stupid. Why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. And I didn't get it. And they don't reveal it to you until the end. And it makes perfect sense. Yeah, the first four issues, it, it's it's really weird because I don't want to question anything he does. You know what I mean? But the first four issues is just like, I was like, this might be my least favorite Rucka I've ever read. Oh. Mm-hmm. But he like, it completely bounced back. It did a complete 180 for me in the last three issues. Now... They may be semi unrelated because, you know, it like maybe he didn't have to take four issues for the bomb to drop for this creepy character to say you we you have our mother's eyes. But otherwise, that's all I that's all I view the first four issues of Elegy being is like leading up to that point. But everything that's squeezed into the final three issues is just powerful, powerful stuff. How about the reveal of how Renee and Kate got together? And then the part right before that where they show how Kate Kane is in the military. Her commanding officer calls her in the office. There's an allegation against you. And then instead of hiding her homosexuality, she admits it and then leaves the military. And she goes – she doesn't know who she is at that point. She goes through like this – crisis of herself where she doesn't know if she's to conform with her new family and become this rich yuppie she starts drinking a lot she starts like throwing money around which i thought was an amazing reveal as to why i was so confused at 52 because i had this i was like who is this character why is she different than the one that i knew Mm -hmm. because they show that part where she was this drunk happy-go-lucky heiress and then that's when she meets renee montoya during like a traffic stop and she hits she hits on Renee Montoya, and Renee's like, uh, she's like, can I buy you a drink sometime? And Renee Montoya's like, uh, maybe another time. And then she like it starts to like crumble in front of Kate Kane, and like agrees to go out yeah. with her. 
and then their breakup. I thought that stuff was amazing. Like I couldn't believe that it was the same mm-hmm. story as the first four four issues. And the just how you know it's all like different time periods that flashes back and flashes forward. But when Kate Kane is at the the party uh, dressed in a tuxedo and. Oh, man, yeah. and she starts like flirting with the cap Renee Montoya's captain Maggie Sawyer. Yeah. Oh my god, that was like there was electric, electric. <laughs> I was immediately shipping them together. They were both <laughs> beautiful in their tuxedos. It was it was just the art and the words written were just electric on screen. There was like some playfulness it, there. It was like immediate too because Sawyer walks up to Kate Kane. They're both wearing tuxes and she like is so forward with Kane and she asks her to dance and there's this gorgeous two-page spread of them dancing and talking and flirting and it was like Which, when I was reading it I was like I knew I like I felt like I knew that Sawyer was gay in Gotham Central, but it wasn't overt. Like they never really revealed it, but you can like read between the lines during one conversation with Renee Montoya. Yeah, but that was like knocked my socks off because I was like, "Wow, they're they're just telling you right away that she is." And I I don't remember if they had done that in Gotham Central. I, th- I yeah, you're right. May maybe she admitted to it at some point, but she more or less alluded to it. I think to make Renee feel more comfortable comfortable about herself. But mm-hmm. it was so cool to see Gotham Central like at work, Maggie Sawyer. And so, you know, at a party, let kind of letting loose a little bit, Maggie Sawyer, just completely being like totally forward and comfortable with Mm -hmm. Kate. Oh, man, it was awesome. And then, of course, Kate in true like bat family esque style, she had to skip out on the party. And (laughs) oh, man, it was it was just great. And then the horrific stuff with her. With her whole family when she was a kid and how how you find out her mother they were basically all kidnapped probably possibly in part from her dad like her dad's profession but uh her mother was killed and you you're under the assumption her sister was killed but on the, in the last issue through like natural dialogue you find out that that wasn't the case and the uh the the, the sister was kidnapped a long time ago Ugh. Jonesy, come on it's your turn to hop in here I mean, I just got thrown by Dale shipping. Uh, anyhow, didn't you want? Didn't I mean, you let me just gush. To work up as, Boris I and did. Doris I, to I, kiss and dance. I went. I just wanted uh, like Can't a tango? reverse of <laughs> uh, the '89 Batman film where Alfred brings Maggie Sawyer down to the Batcave, and <laughs> Kate Kane is sitting there watching the monitors, and I could just bawl my eyes out. Uh, so a couple things. Dick Grayson is the Batman. Is Batman during this time frame, right? Uh, I want to say yeah. Just just typical Jonesy fashion. I'm going to say that that's the case. I do want to say yes, but it's not relevant. I well, maybe it is relevant. I I feel like it is because Grayson or Bruce wouldn't just allow Batwoman to gallivant around. Right. I feel I I got different context because he's only in like two panels in the first issue. Where he's like, "Hey, do you have this thing that I don't have time for?" And she's like, "Yeah, I got it." Oh yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm assuming it was Dick Grayson because I, I to the same thing. I don't think Bruce would ever just let it go with that, <laughs> right? That's true. <clears throat> so, how amazing is it that Detective Comics does not feature Batman, but features 
this character, expertly written by Greg Rucka, and celebrating uh, being a uh-huh. lesbian female lead character. Yeah. I mean, I I didn't, and I feel bad that I I don't. I'm not discovering this in 2015, but this is an awesome thing that he he got to do with probably this is the second most famous title in their catalog behind Action Comics. And oh, yeah. he gets to do it. And not only that, the story and writing is off the charts. Mm-hmm. I mean, Greg Rucka just doing amazing things for everybody with this title. And I was just so impressed by not only that the quality of writing, but Rucka doesn't give an inch and anything that he writes. Everything is 100% true. You know, even though I understand that it's fiction and we're talking about superheroes and people that jump off rooftops, but everything in this... Everything is like the naked feeling of life. I don't know if that makes sense. Maybe that's just too cheesy, but like you don't get for a second that this isn't happening to these people. And it's about, And it's not about... Some doofus, you know, like macho superhero. We're getting like an elegant woman who's in the prime of her life, who's also gone through this history that is now using it to her advantage. How empowering is this run? I love it. It makes me smile just thinking about what he was able to do here. Who's got this? Uh, she's got this gorgeous short red hair. I mean, there's no way that men and women Get back both to that don't ship. love her. Ship, yeah. There's no way Maggie Stewart doesn't. Love the S ship out of her, her immediately. I feel like there's a ship where Dale is working as a waiter at this restaurant where Sawyer and <laughs> Candy Kane are dancing together, and he, you know, he brings over some hors d'oeuvres <laughs> and he winks, and then something happens later that night. I don't know, but I, but let it be known that I would be able to read the situation, and I wouldn't wink unless <laughs> I didn't, I didn't think it would be well received. Okay, you would have some kind of one liner. Yeah. That would be an in for you that evening. Like I don't know what kind of you'd come over and you'd see them having the time of their right. life, and you would have a zinger, and then they'd invite you over for drinks that <laughs> night. You'd go out for ice cream. <laughs> I don't know what the line would be, but well, I'd, I mean, it, yeah, I would have to be in that situation, but I would definitely read it and and just make sure like they would they they know that I know that I'm on the level <laughs> and they can joke around. Like that. <laughs> There, there was a the part that I want to talk about again is when her father finds out that she's been going out at night like fighting crime because she tries like someone tries to mug her one night and they fail miserably because she just destroys them because she was a soldier and she kind of is almost rescued by Batman but Batman gets there and she like doesn't need any help so she sees that as like a possibility of what she can do and the father has this argument with her. And there was one quote that was so powerful that, you know, I, I like, again, I, I feel bad that I, that it happened so late in the, the trade, but she talks about how she finally found her way to serve because she wasn't able to serve in the military like she wanted to because of who she was. And this was how, and how she will serve you know, as a, as a crime fighter, as a masked vigilante. I thought that amazing. was an amazingly strong message to send. Absolutely. And after after she's accused of uh, Article 125 in the, the military code, like, it, the message she conveys is, all I've ever wanted since my mother and sister were murdered is to serve. And this is what she's saying to her commanding officer. Uh, and then he's like, okay, then just tell me what I need to hear. 
And she says, A cadet shall not lie, cheat, or steal, nor suffer others to do so. So I'm sorry, I can't. And she's like at the top of her class. Hmm. And she gives it all up. That's like Tom Cruise in Top Mm -hmm. Gun. And he's he's giving away his hat. Yeah, hard deck my A. We got that son of a B, she would have said, if she was flying a plane and she did not go below the hard deck to get Jester. We both know Jester went below the hard deck just because he knew that he had gotten got. Right. And his he he couldn't suffer it. Jester. And then in like the volleyball scene the girls would be playing volleyball uh, and then Dan yeah. would be like uh, serving drinks and he'd be a waiter <laughs> at the volley beach volleyball game. He would come over and, and he'd read the scene. If I, I always thought I would somehow be a good waiter because I'm a people person. You know what I mean? Now maybe not beach waiter material, but, but just the, you'd be you like uh, Zach Mars when he did that summer at, uh, the yeah. beach, uh, Malibu Sands resort. Beach Club, yeah. Oh gosh. Malibu Sands. What a season that was. When he, when I mean, has that, has a season like that ever been done before another show where they just change the location? Unprecedented. Unprecedented. It's never been done before. And you're having, never been done again. You're and having he, trouble like dating the daughter of the owner, but then Kate Kane and Maggie Sawyer have a conversation about you mm-hmm. and she overhears it and then like changes her mind and then you two get together. I'm I mean, so happy can we talk for about you. the casting of the father? How amazing was that character? What was his name? Was it Fergosi? What was the dad's it's name? Mr. Carosi. Mr. Carosi. Carosi, who only who only wanted fifteen hundred dollars for that cherry Mustang convertible. Zach Morris only had to raise fifteen hundred dollars to buy that thing. Fifteen hundred, Mr. Carosi, he would say. <laughs> I mean, unprecedented. And then. You know, Stacy Carosi's boyfriend from college came and tried to have a pinning ceremony, but Zach was kind of in love with her at the time, so like there was all these feelings. If and, you, you know, had to she choose had one, if you had, <laughs> if you had to choose one episode of Say by the Bell, he can't do it. And as your top most memorable episode, uh, Dale underscore A, what would it I be? I couldn't answer that right now. It's too much pressure right now. What's in your top ten? What's a top ten episode? <laughs> what? That's, I wanted to go on about how I love Batwoman more, but uh, <laughs> okay, let's get yeah. back to Batwoman. LG, I'll think please. about it in the meantime. Say that for the fireside. But I loved her apartment loft. I wanted to live there. I loved how she had this bat cave that was essentially built around a tree. I loved that little yeah, setup. That was really I, cool. I wish I we had gotten the origin on that. Yeah. I loved how. You know, the the proud Kane family obviously comes from deep military roots. I love how uh, Kate's father stood by her as soon as she admitted that she is not part of the military anymore because of her lifestyle and the military would not accept that. He stood by her because Kate, like, that's that was the honorable thing to do. And uh, it, it, he just completely supported her when he she admitted it right out of the gate like that. There's like no nonsense. He, I mean, as proud of a military man he was, he's proud that Kate had honor and dignity and went out on top and did not lie or cheat. Yeah. Beautiful. Also, I mean, I would want to read, like, in a perfect world where Greg Rucka just did whatever he wanted on Detective Comics, there should be, like, a four-part... The next story would be like a four part of Commander Kane trying to find his daughter when it was revealed that, or, or, or when he found out that that wasn't her corpse. 
like the hunt for his daughter. Like I want to yeah. find out like w- what that was like because he even says he's like, "Don't think I didn't keep looking for your sister." Once I found out, like, oh man, I want to find out what that mm-hmm. was like. Although, how does, does Kate Kane not know that when she looks at Alice, she's looking at herself? Like, are they're, they're twins? How did she not see a resemblance? I think well, she was dressed like Amadala and they, yeah, yeah. I think I, uh, I think that's an easy mistake to make, especially in the heat of the moment. You know, there's fighting you don't going think on. If you had a twin brother, Jonesy, that looked exactly like you, so you, and he was dressed as the Mad Hatter, let's say for instance, you were Batman, mm-hmm. and okay, you I'll, get I'm you, you're getting your Go face, <laughs> you're face to face with the Mad Hatter who is identical to you. You wouldn't say, you know what? Well, where have I seen you before? All right, hold on. I am also conceivably the world's greatest detective, <laughs> so I would probably pick it up right away. But just uh-huh. because Kate Kane is an expert military combat martial artist does not make her the same focus level mm. as Batman, detective-wise. Yeah, and she's got okay. white face on. She's got like you know a yeah. wig. Plus, you know, I know, but Kane, but Kate there Kane is adrenaline pumping. All get out. Kate Kane has just handed fifty people their own A's. You know, she's probably got that blood pumping. She's, you know, she's got tunnel vision maybe, like she's about to pass out. And, you know, maybe she can't make out that that person might be her exact genetic copy. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Fine. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Yeah. Great book. How did this title do, like when they relaunched the New 52, she got her own book, right? Yeah, That's but the I thing think that happened. Did Jage who wrote it? It was a Jage Williams by himself. I yes, I think he wrote it. I I guess he did maybe covers. I don't know if he did art too. Let me see. Yeah, How he did. I think he did both. And then I don't know. To be honest, I remember it was, it was critically critically acclaimed, and then oh, he nice. like didn't draw it anymore. Oh, uh, remember he walked off of it. He left. Yeah. It was now weird. it's all coming together because I'm, I know who these characters are, but DC wouldn't let. Oh, yeah, DC wouldn't let Kate and Maggie get married. Why? That's dumb. They didn't... I think they said they didn't want their uh, a, their character to get married. Yeah. Like, it wasn't like they didn't want two women to get married. They just didn't want her to get married. Right, yeah, period. period. They didn't want her to... I guess it was like a Peter Parker, Mary mm-hmm. Jane kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Yeah. Unfortunately, that just boils itself immediately into controversy no matter what way they mm-hmm. want to do it creatively, sure. I guess. Which makes me wonder, like, reading this, if if I'm working at DC, I would have given Greg Rucka carte blanche to do whatever he wanted for however long he wanted. And I, yeah. I was, I'm just curious how that stuff kind of shook out at How publishers. long did Batwoman stay in Detective? Or was it just well, the, the seven next, issue story? The next issue, it says, like, the final Batwoman story. Okay. And it's, like, another multi-part storyline. Yeah, spoilers. I, I read the next three issues in the um, Bat in the Detective Comics run and it's just the next three issues and then Rucka is off and Batwoman is off. Oh, that's a shame. Well, that was, the, but it was Jock doing Jock, art. Oh my god, it? it was a gorgeous run. Jock oh. on art uh, with uh, Batwoman trying to like hunt down this Buffalo Bill type character where this guy's f- catching women and like cutting body parts off of them or s- skin. Ooh, it's, it's, it's gorgeous. <laughs> it's gorgeous. But like, it's, it's still like, Rucka on writing? Yeah. Dude, yeah, Rucka ri- oh, writes the next write, three. I'm yeah. going to read it, I think. John, because... I mean, how, 
what a run to have. You're you're Greg Rucka, and you you have Jage Williams drawing the first six issues, and then you have Jock doing the next storyline, which is great. It's like random. Like here's here's Detective Comics issue eight sixty two. Greg mm-hmm. Rucka and Jock on on creative duties. It's like yeah. it's epic. I, I miss those days. Yeah, I I, I want to read a lot more Batwoman. I'm I'm in. Yeah, I, uh, if I would have known this was the character, I probably would have picked up that new 52 title mm-hmm. when it came out. But, you know, yeah. I, you know me, I'm just like, oh, Batwoman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think I think uh, probably all three of us were like that up until we were reading this exact run. And this is this yeah. is nothing short of, like, it's it deserves all its critical acclaim, I guess I should say. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, and can you imagine, like, if you're gay and you're looking for, you know, like, likewise in in a superhero, like, something that you can be proud of that doesn't, like, make, that makes light of it? Like, this is, this is absolutely, like, the, the, one of the runs And at no point is this tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, this is not tongue-in-cheek. At no point does Rucka try to crack a joke. This is the life of a well put together gay person living her life and going the extra mile. I mean, it's very admirable. Yeah. yeah. And it's everything about it is admirable. I think it was cool. Like I, you know, it's just detective was gritty like this too. Is I mean, uh, Gotham central was like, it, it was very serious about Renee Montoya's, uh, you know, sexual preference and the relationships that she embroiled herself in. But I think it's cool that in such a mainstream book, it's it takes like these topics pretty seriously. It doesn't uh, hide them or sweep them under the rug or like that's part of who she is and that's what they're speaking about. I I mean I'll go on record and say that Greg Rucka, Renee Montoya, the you know Gotham Central was maybe one of the top five most moving stories I've ever read that maybe have changed the way I think about like life. Amazing stuff. Batwoman Elegy. We got your letters. I'm gonna open them up. Farrington's gonna read them to to you. you. Letters at paperkeg.com. You want to write a letter, we'll read it on the era. You know, if you've never written on the show, ever, and you want to get your name on here, you want to talk to Jonesy Loves Beer, get a signed headshot. (laughs) Signed by you. Headshot of me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Our first letter comes to us from new but dear friend of the show. He's, you know, abroad, maybe in the U.K., as you've heard it called, uh, a podunk backcountry, as Slim would call it. Never said. Uh, he, he writes, "Dear Keggers, for time. Uh, I'm I'm currently on episode 27 and 207, wow. catching up, but not burning through the early stuff. Why would I want to rush uh, such gold as little people are garbage? Uh, you recently talked about some words you were enjoying, dossier, etc. Uh, dossier, dossier, dossier." Slim. Dossier. Mm, do it again, Slim. Dossier. Dossier. 
And I wanted to share some words or phrases you guys have turned me on to. Uh, these words are also now banned in my house. Uh, my fiancé does not enjoy me repeating them over and over and over again. Uh, specifically, I repeat them imitating your voices. Uh, Slim, Yusaki Yojimbo. <laughs> really big show. Uh, Jonesy, Colombia. <laughs> and uh, Garbage. Uh, and this is to the white hosts. This is strange. Uh, one kiltnit. Uh, I don't think this was ever a word. And Mark, rest in peace, was confused and wrong. Uh, a kilt is a Scottish dress. I can say that because we owned them for a while. Uh, I don't believe it was ever slang for anything. And Dale, I thought I was imitating you for a while, but as you recently left the podcast due to a hurricane, I gave up trying. I guess this was back in 27. Uh, I'll remedy this when you rejoin later in the series. Uh, my question is, are there any non-curse words or phrases banned in your house, specifically due to their overuse? And none of you are reading Birthright? Image, it's fantastic. Uh, Usagi Yojimbo, that's Clark from England, or at Hourman101 on the Tweetosphere. Sending that I, think it's a, I think it's amazing that in the early days, Dale would just skip two or three episodes on a clip because he just couldn't make it to one of the houses for recording. So Dale just wasn't on those episodes. Yeah, it was, it's, it was awful because I knew back then you were missing, if you missed one night, you missed two episodes of recording, which mm. sucked. And I remember, I remember specifically like during that hurricane, my basement was kind of flooded and we didn't have power for days. I hope I just missed two recorded episodes and not four, but who knows really <laughs> awful. Awful times. So words that are banned in your house for overuse. I don't know. I uh, Babe was attempted to be banned from my house, and then my wife picked it up, and now she says it. So I don't know if there's any more. I can't say. I can't call her Babe. It's not. It's not Babe. It's Beb. It's Beb. Come on, Beb. Beb. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, my wa- uh, my wife has started saying, "Talk to me, Goose." Oh yeah, but she didn't. Mm. We watched uh, Top Gun the other night. And she's like, that's what that's from? (laughs) Oh, my God. So she was saying it before the movie. Yeah, she didn't even know what it was from. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Clark, (laughs) Kilton, if it wasn't a word, it was definitely a word for us after Mark Farmington said... Said such I can't wait till he gets to the like episode Kilt where he Knit. talks about the Batman Dark Knight trailer. I don't think that was was that live on the show, or do we just make fun of him live on the show because he said it pre-show? No, I think it was like live on the show. Hmm. And you actually stopped like, the whole broadcast. I feel like Kilton is real slang, but we just we aren't we don't travel in the same circles as Mark did. Mark knows slang. Yeah, yeah that's true. We don't know we slang. Don't, we dare not. Pretend to, no. you know. Thank just the way. Thank it is. you for the uh, letter, Clark. You are amazing. You um, calling out to the Twitter sphere to get um, one Kurt Busick to reply to your tweet, and we had a quite a bit of a repertoire going. Clark and I and the paper cake. I think it's a repartee. Uh, it was a hmm hmm. 
I'm just trying to make recompense. Chickens came home to roost, didn't they? Underscore, huh? Yeah. Chickens coming home to get throat. their recompense, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, next letter comes from at Joker's Asylum. We met this fellow in person at the comic book shop in Wilmington, Delaware. Great guy. Love that dude. Uh, thanks for the letter. Selling my comics, the subject line. After you read my letter last week, I thought I would follow up and let you know how I was able to reduce my comic collection because I had, I, Dale, specifically had that question about how you unload such a, such a, uh, a, 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 a collection. It took several different methods and was required more effort than I originally thought. Here are the main ways. I thought this might help you or some of the fellow listeners if they had been considering the same thing but didn't know where to start. Thanks, guys, and hopefully I'll see you in Baltimore. What? He is going to be in Baltimore. High fives in person with Joe. The first round, more importantly, of adult beverages is on me. Oh, man. Uh, that's, this is now on tape, Joe, so you're committed. Jonesy, if Jonesy can order the first two at, at one time, Joe, we are all on the same page. Did, that, did that ever happen? Uh, number one. That I d- ordered two at the same time. You guys Jonesy was that. shipping himself with different drinks with beer? that night. <laughs> <laughs> Paid for vendor tables at small local cons, packaged as many of the books together into complete or sizable runs. Uh, number two, grouped together less desirable issues with highly desirable issues and sold them as a lot on eBay. That works. Uh, number three, mm-hmm. traded other vendors and my local comic book shop. Recently, I traded three short boxes of miscellaneous books for a copy of X-Factor number six and X-Men 266. Oh. Which is what, Gambit? Is that the first pants of Gambit? Uh, Gambit was in Uncanny X-Men. Oh, yeah, Uncanny X-Men. Traded some to Second and Charles, which is a chain store owned by Books A Million that buys, sells, and trades CDs, DVDs, video games, and comics. Number five, gave a lot away to kids during shows and gave a lot to my LCS to hand out during Free Comic Book Day. I try to pay it forward as often as I can, and giving some comics away helped do that as well as clear out some space. Hope this helps, but as far as Jonesy getting rid of that Generation X run, you may as well want to schedule some time with the paper shredder at work. <laughs> well, my uh, my in-laws have a bird, so I'm pretty sure they might need cage liner at some point. A bird. <laughs> I was actually thinking of uh, making a long box of the stuff I know I don't want and maybe taking it up the chop. Like I want my jaunts down to the city and just see if the one of the wings will just take it. When do you Think go down to the city? Do you just drive by and just throw those books out the window and speed away? Yeah, that's as a total J-bag, I would just put down my windows and throw comic books at the door of CHOP like some kind of grade A. Listen, A-hole. the last time we were all going into the city, you know, there was your whispers that you thought you were going to get shot, you thought you were going to get murdered. That's every chance you about. take when you go into the big city. Is you, Do you ever watch 6ABC News, Slim? <laughs> I don't get six ABC news anymore. I get seven. That's why you're going to die. Next time Channel you seven news. Rest in peace. Uh, our next letter uh, comes to us from. Oh, hold on! Just lost it. There we go. Uh, our our friend. I dare call him that. Uh, he goes by the name Dallas, and he writes subject line alias. Uh, Hey guys, 
just finished episode 80, Alias, as I traversed through Paper Keg reruns, and it may be one of my favorite episodes. Uh, Jonesy on Scalped could be my favorite review slash reveal of the show's history. Wow. Plus, Slim completely losing his S. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. Over the Luke Cage D and the B description from Alias <laughs> is classic. I, I got to go back and listen to that. <laughs> Have, yeah, I don't remember that. <laughs> Have you guys ever thought about having another episode where each host reviews a title chosen by another host? Uh, with the new format, maybe a fun way to talk about more than one title for an episode. Uh, maybe just talk about the chosen titles for each host instead of a book club section. Uh, just a thought. Uh, you guys are the best. Thanks for your entertainment. Uh, your friend, Philly's third baseman, Flacido Polanco. <laughs> This is recorded AKA back when Phillies Dallas. did have uh, third baseman Placido Polanco. <laughs> uh, to Dale, maybe my favorite flaccid joke. Uh, P.S. Uh, any news on the new Ellis uh, Max book, Platoon? Heard it's going to be a story about Frank Castle's first tour in Nam. Uh, that sound, folks, you just heard was Dale's uh, oh, table gosh. getting pushed up a couple oh, inches. Uh, Born might be one of my favorite comics. We'll love to see this Platoon story happen. Did he mean Ennis, maybe? Because there's he whispers. Ellis, but he, maybe he means Ennis. Because there, there's there been whispers for a long time. Ennis had told me on another podcast that I do that he was working on another Punisher book. Did you just and, name check a comic creator and be like, this guy told me something? And he and then uh, Parallel, Goran Parlov says that he's working with an Ennis on a new Punisher book. So can you imagine, if you will... Ennis Parlov Castle Vietnam. Oh my god. Oh my god. That would uh Ugh. I just uh bought a jersey for my favorite Phillies third baseman, Hard <laughs> Polanco. <laughs> I mean, cause that news is just Jesus, just a grand old time. I mean, I can't imagine the fun. Might have to make this an explicit tag episode. Just leave that one in. <laughs> no, but that would be, I mean. My wheelhouse. I'm telling you. Amazing. <laughs> uh, next up is from friend of the show at under an anchor on Twitter, Sean Gregory Miller. Uh, BKV, Marcos the God, Martin, Private Eye, oh, PK no. Book Club? Mm-hmm. Question mark. That's a great oh, idea. And maybe we should do that before the summer swamp thing kicks off. I'm put- Cause that. <laughs> I'm putting it in oh, the dock yeah, right now. You hear that? Under an anchor. This is l- happening live. Uh, real quick before we read the uh, next letter. Uh, super friend of the show and super awesome guy, uh, Charles Forsman, uh, who you'll know from hit comic books such as, I don't know, Revenger. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, uh, he just tweeted me. He's been listening live to the show, and um, you know we were talking about getting rid of comics, and there's a great charity on here called Superheroes uh, for Hospice Fans. 
And uh, just reading the quick about, it's it's a, a service you can donate your books to. And it helps raise money for folks that have to go on hospice. So uh, I'm going to repost. I'm going to give that link to you guys to repost. Uh, I'll CC it to Paper Keg. And maybe you can use the official account to get that out there. But I think that's pretty great. I, I Folks, I no longer use the official account for fear of mm-hmm. quick and severe retribution from my fellow hosts. <laughs> so maybe they can do that for me. Uh uh, the last Chuck time you Forsman. wanted to Thanks, tweet man. from Paper Keg is during your mission to get Comcast to your house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Remember a time of Paper Keg before we shamed me? Oh, no, that time never existed. Uh, Charles Forsman, thank you for that. That's really awesome. Yeah, I appreciate thanks. that tweet. Uh, <laughs> next letter is from Legacy, friend of the show. Not a lot of Legacy friends out there. Uh, I would consider... Uh, Fiendsta, Catcher, Karate Chop, uh, Dragon Fro, and this young lady, Seth Breedslove. Director uh, now. He is. He's too good for us. Maybe he can't be Legacy anymore because he's just, he overshadows us. Uh, Anybody in the ancillary world, uh, Legacy friends of this podcast. Don Garfi, rest in peace, Don, wherever you are. Uh, Legacy friends. And uh, she writes, excuse me. Uh, Batwoman Elegy is the book that single-handedly got me back into comics. Wow. Wow. I was in a So Hipster It Would Kill Jonesy Dead Brooklyn Beardo bookstore <laughs> a couple years back and figured, sure, Rachel Maddow probs, probs has good taste oh, in comics. Come on, Jonesy. Why not check it out? It was rough at first, not going to lie. Couldn't figure out why there were werewolves in Gotham or what the deal was with uh, the nipple stitch. But by the end, I cried a lot. So bottom line, it might not be as good as Gotham Central, but still, if you hate this book, I'll be sadder than Kate thinking she sees Renee at a fancy gala thing, but actually it's some rando, okay? Uh, kisses and hugs, Bex. Jonesy, Jonesy reading that letter was probably the best. He did it, He did it justice in that way that never what? mind never mind <laughs> uh, was that a tr- was that a troll and you just I don't know Jersey, you're too busy looking at your phone to be listening to the show so <laughs> I'm looking at the phone because I can't effing read what is wrong with you the show is crumbling right now at the seams Gen Z is reading I'm... millennial talk it's, it's <laughs> right mirrors are looking inside that's, of mirrors that's why it was time. the greatest thing that was the greatest thing probs Probs? Well, at least she was honest about the beginning of the book. Yeah. You know, we all felt the same way. A little sketchy. Yeah. Yeah, the dude, the big dude with tentacle arms. I don't know How what about that whole was. scene where there was just like every animal-human hybrid imaginable? The chicken. I saw a chicken. Did, yeah, did you see the chicken with the and oh, the, yeah. uh, the roach on the wall with human appendages? Oh, man. <laughs> I have no idea. No idea. You get to have that, Gotham. Keep that in your underbelly. Keep it. What a show. Great show. Next week, I don't, we haven't even talked about it, but I threw it's it on there. Point. So if we're doing it, we're doing it. Although we still technically should put Pluto on here, officially, mm. at some point. We got to finish all eight volumes, right? Should we do finish your album, the summer, or, oh, or should we man. should we do something else? What do you think? I don't know. That's I, due. I want, I want you to experience 
Miracle Man Volume Three. That's what I want. Yeah, I got it. I got the hardcover here. Wait, uh-huh. I could have it read for thir- for get them back on track for Thursday night recording. Wow. Whoa. What? Are you wow. Three and that? four. That's a big You're three and four. Oh my god. What? So you, <laughs> <laughs> let's do three. Okay. Three. All right. There it is. You heard it here first. Miracle Man Volume Three. Then maybe we can uh, tap our very special guest host for the remainder of Pluto. I don't know. That's uh, the Scotty Young, friend of the show. You know, that Miracle Man Volume 3, I think, I said had one of the most amazing Alan Moore issues ever written. Mm. Yeah. Just saying. Next week. You know, if you enjoyed Jonesy's banter and uh, repertoire with Dale underscore A, give us an iTunes review. Tell a friend. There will be no recompensance <laughs> for that review. But if not, props. we'll see everybody. Props, no recompensance. Next week? Nipple stitch. <laughs>I was reading your uh, putting kids to bed conversation earlier today on the uh, the Twitters, and uh, mm-hmm. I chuckled. My son started sleeping in his big boy bed on Friday, and about the only issue we have so far is he likes to roll out of it. He, like he falls oh, yeah. out of bed a lot. Yeah. So like the first, so we have like a big cushy blanket and a body pillow, so like he doesn't do harm to himself. But the first time he did it, we heard him crying, and I I, I ran upstairs, and <laughs> his bed is, like, right next to his closet, and it's got, like, sliding doors, and one of them's always open. And in his sleep, like, he moves around a lot. So <laughs> I hear crying, and I just see his feet sticking out of the closet. So he fell, he rolled, he rolled off his bed onto his pillows, and like shimmied himself up into the open closet door That's and then so must have woken up and freaked out that right. he was in the closet. <laughs> he was beside himself. That's amazing. And of course, you, you try not to laugh, but it's, you know, right. maybe the funnest thing has ever happened in my life. Right, to see little feet. He's just little legs just kicking from the closet. What the hell's going on in here? We got James one of those things that tucked under. His mattress, it was like a net kind of thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think I might have seen it at Dale's house, too, where you just, like, attach it to the underside, and then it, like, angles up so that if he does roll, he either, like, hits that or it stops him from rolling out. Yeah, it's, and it's it's, it's, it's almost like a bookend for your that you slide under your mattress for kids. A bookend for kids, really. Mm-hmm. So it's not hard to install. It's just you no. pick the mattress up, throw it on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's see if uh, Babies R Us has one. Pick one up. 
show sponsor. <laughs> Name check, Babies R Us. I'm going to need some free dipes. You know what I'm saying? Retweet, reblog. <laughs> Twitter shame them into getting any diapers. So, Jonesy, did you start uh, True Detective Season 2? No. I, my wife and I need to pro- we'll probably sit down tomorrow night and watch it. We've been trying to finish up uh, House of Cards. Mm-hmm. So, have you have you seen it? I heard it's like phenomenal. No, Already. we haven't. Uh, we I haven't watched it. We were we talked about watching True Detective season one, but we haven't been able to start it yet. So you've never seen True Detective season one? Oh, I've watched it. Oh, okay. Amanda has not. I mean, what, I mean, that's God, incredible television. Mm-hmm. Woody Harrelson in his finest role ever. What would you think is better? Um, True Detective versus uh, Broadchurch versus Longmire. Oh, man. God, God. stop it. Um, like all, based on season ones, all based season on season one. ones? All based on season ones? Well, no, I think entire existing catalog. Because I think Longmire season two is unmatched. Especially the episode where he climbs up the hill in the snow by himself and uh, hallucinates he, he inside he hallucinates the cabin. Oh my god, Dale! Are you caught up with all episodes yet? No, I know season three just hit Netflix, so I have to watch it. Oh god, how about that scene, uh, Jonesy, at the end of three? Buzz, I'm focused on season three where that character. Mm-hmm. Gets shot and Longmire's just running mm-hmm. across the fields, and you just see him running with his shotgun in his hand. Mm. God, how about <laughs> just the uh, monologue? Uh, well, I get, yeah, monologue of Longmire to his dead wife at the end of that season, oh, God. asking Jeez. for her forgiveness for what he's about to do. Oh, about oh, um, good gracious! How about Lou Diamond Phillips will literally retweet anything you ask him to. <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> we talk about that? It's pretty remarkable. Uh, I'm looking through my Tumblr right now for some of those screenshots that I used to do. Oh, boy. Remember how Jacob, I mean, what an A-bag Jacob is. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh. Mm. oh my, so good. Have you, have you, did you ever read the novel? The first novel, Cold Dish? No, I know we were supposed to for uh, Book Chug, yeah, but I never did. Happening. Uh, Did you see that Daily the, Deal Jonesy on Audible? I missed it. I picked it up. I was about to say it was like $2.35 for collected short stories of Walt Longmire. Oh, God. The first one I did to interject was from the pilot when they ask, uh, does it ever stop hurting? And Longmire says, not really. I guess the only way it could ever stop hurting is if we could forget about him. And that's the thing, because I don't want to forget anything. Hmm. How about the first interaction between him and Vic, where she's like, she has like, I don't know, like 30 seconds of exposition, then Walt hasn't said a word, and she's like, uh, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm thinking, I do that sometimes before I talk, and you're like, damn, this guy's the best. I remember seeing previews for Longmire in movie theaters, when there was a new television show or a new season of Longmire. And they would do those goofy little commercial ads at the movie theater. Yeah, the 20. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is this show? It looks weird. It's on Netflix. And I never got into I don't know what made me watch that one day, but it changed my life. I'm telling you, the, what, we got, what got me into is when you would post the, uh, the credit shot of like mm-hmm. the word Longmire on a background. I'm like, this cinematography, 
I got to just watch one oh. episode and see if it's the real deal. Cinematography and in it that was. is right up there with uh, Broadchurch. Oh, yeah. Although it's, it's I mean, it's gotta be super. They have such good set pieces to do it, though. Like the the town of Broadchurch is amazingly gorgeous and where Longmire lives. Can you imagine That's living in Longmire's County. house? Oh, my where God. Where he's got that big old. Gorgeous. Oh, God. That big porch. He's got his 1993 Ford Bronco oh, Eddie Bauer edition that you can own for like three grand. Not that I've researched it in any Holy <laughs> moly, that, that Bronco. My dad used to have a Bronco. It was the greatest truck on earth. I loved it. I'm going to see if cars.com has that Bronco. Do they it. go for about three grand for a 93 Bronco. It's got to be the Eddie Bauer edition. What year is it, Jonesy? A 93 94 Eddie Bauer. Ford Bronco. It comes with the 350 Windsor motor. Me and Minotaur are riding around in that Ford Bronco. Oh, mm-hmm. Man. Mm-hmm. Riding around town. Maybe you've got the back cap off. <laughs> you, know, you could take it out onto the uh, four-wheel drive beach in the Outer Banks. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Uh. Like a rock that's playing in the background. <laughs> like a rock. <laughs> <laughs>